Good evening, listeners, and welcome to this weekend interview with your host, Anthony Drago. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you had a, a great week so far. Um, it's Wednesday. It's the middle of summer. As they say, um, what they say, the dog days of summer, meaning that it's super hot. Starting, I think, around the 3rd of July. Um, call it the dog days of summer. I think it's written in one of the stories by Mark Twain, anyway. But it's those of you who love summer, this is your element. You can dress up how you want to dress up or, or, or not dress because it's so hot. it is so hot. But anyhow, um, summertime is time for fun. There, there are a few islands that have their carnival in the summer, like St. Vincent and so on. Have their, have their, um, Grenada also has their carnival in August. Tonight on this weekend interview, my guest is Steinberg Henry. And if you're from Dominica or you're familiar with the media scene in Dominica, but not only Dominica, in the Car some people in the Caribbean also, Steinberg stands um, among the giants in the media scene in Dominica. I, I grew up listening to him on the radio, a very distinctive voice. He's also an intellectual, an, inter um, an intellect, and he has blessed us with some of his thoughts in the form of books. He's published a few books. I've had him on the show before because he's written this book about Calypso in, in the Caribbean called Calypso Drift. And Calypso Drift is one of those books um, that you, you read it through one time, but you have to keep it on your coffee table. It's a good conversation starter. But it's also kind of like a manual. Um, for Calypso in the Caribbean, in Dominica. Um, in that book, Steinberg dissects Calypso. Um, the, the thought process, he, he talks about the various um, Calypsonians, the writers, um, and so on, and gives us a, a, a look behind the curtains, so to speak, on the Calypso scene. Well, you know, in, after I did the month of May celebrating Dominican writers, our response was so tremendous that um, I decided that we would do one author every month. Well, this month, my, my, the author is Steinberg Henry, and he's going to be joining me, and we're going to talk about his book, Calypso Drift. He has a sequel to it called Calypso Drift and Water, and some of his other works. Um, and we will we'll talk to this fascinating um, icon on the media scene um, on the Caribbean. But first, let us, let's take a, a little bit of Mikkel Henderson doing the Caricom Anthem and, 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 a, and a couple of words from some of our sponsors. And when we come back, we will have Steinberg with us and we'll be talking Calypso. From many distant lands Our forefathers came Some seeking adventure some bound in chains Through battles waged and fought Through victory and pain By test of their courage Our freedom was gained In homage to those gone before us The heroes of 
uplands in the sun We vow to join hands and to focus On building one Caribbean Raise your voices high Sing of your Caribbean pride Sing it loud and strong Feel our hearts beat as one Celebrate in song As we rise to heights where we St. Martin and Marigold. Vital Bio specializes in all kinds of dishes. Oh yes, West Indian dishes, chicken and rice and all that's nice and many other types of seafoods. Oh yes, a Westock bar awaits you. Especially if you need a martini. Vital Bio specializes in all your favorite drinks in top quality for you. Oh yes, Vital Bio brand new. Yes, I told you so. Lot 107, Resident Lamande, 54 Rue de la Liberté. Vital Bio, the number one restaurant on the French side of St. Martin. Don't you forget to go to Vital Bio, the number one brand new restaurant on the French side of St. Martin. Yo 
hey, Busulavi, you come back? Where you going this time? Yeah, but they coming up, and I want to the best of things, Charlie Crow Show. So I come and see if I get a little money to buy my outfit. Well, that outfit going to be well cheap. How much you want? Me a hundred. Hundred? Hundred what? Hundred twelve? You know you don't have hundred dollars of your account, Jingle. Stop the joke. Okay, You want a mic? You, you can afford to buy mic? But now, how much money you want? Be honest with yourself. I call him police for Mr. Sawyer. Yeah? Wicked, wicked man. You suck down how much Hennessy and cook for the weekend. Now you come down and ask for $50. My man needs to call police for you, though. Give me 20. Um, Panic! Panic! Look, Mr. Bunny, I think you have money. You don't have no money on this account. You come and see Panic! You'll have to run host to me. <laughs> yes, my people. Larry Stewart presents the best of King's Calypso show on August 31st, 2019 at Tropical Paradise on 1367 Utica Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Featuring King Hurricane, King Stranger, King Observer, King Caressa, Jody, Lugas, Intruder, Checo, Sai, Sour Sour, King Bob, and the Rainy Monarch, King Dice. And special performances by Exile One and Big Ben. For tickets, call 917-865-6393 or 767-235-7800. The best of King's Calypso Show, Labor Day Weekend, New York. You need a cool out. <laughs> Laris Place presents the best of Kings Calypso Extravaganza in Brooklyn, New York is on again. Say it again, the best of Kings. On August 31st, 2019, at the Tropical Paradise 1367 Utica Avenue, Brooklyn, New York 11203. Featuring King Observer, King Scranter, King Caressa, King Hurricane, King Bob, and the reigning monarch King Dice. Also on the cards, Intruder, JD, Checo, Lugas, Sai, and Roadmatch King Sawa Sawa. Sawa Sawa. Alongside DJ Big Ben. Big Ben. With a full performance by Exile One. Exile One. Lawrence Place. Master of Ceremony and Special Act by Ma Buttercup and Jamal of Jingle Jam Entertainment, New York, the Tri-State Area. This is it! For tickets, call 917-865-6393 or 281-701-1589 or 767-235-7800. If you're in the New Jersey area, call 862-368-9301 or 347-564-6201. Boston, 617-785-4206. Toronto, 416-894-9754 or 416-684-0681. Bronx, New York, 914-522-6832. Queens, New York, 929 for tickets online, go to www.islandeventstickets.com The best of kings, August 31st, Tropical Paradise 1367 Utica Avenue, Brooklyn, New York 11203 Only 50 bucks gets you in New York We coming again Come and take a cool out at the best of kings Doors open at 9 Brought to you by Larry's Place Larry's Place all right, listeners, welcome back. Thanks for staying through the break. Um, August 31st, uh, Calypso Show, King of Kings, Calypso Show in Brooklyn, New York. You can check Island Event Tickets for your buying your tickets online. It saves you the hassle of having to go get it somewhere. When you get there, it's on your phone or you have your printout. It's just scanned and you, and you enter. Um, pretty seamless. And you don't have to try to keep track of where your tickets are and that kind of thing. So check, check it out, Island Event Tickets, islandeventticket.com, and get your tickets online, or you heard the numbers that they have them on the ad. So thanks to our sponsors for this weekend interview. Welcome back. As I told you before we took the break, tonight we're talking Calypso, as well as other literary works by none other than the man himself, Steinberg Henry, uh, a regular 
icon of, of the media in the Dominican scene and, and the wider Caribbean region. Um, Steinberg is a consummate um, media communication, I would say, um, professional. And uh, those, those of us who are familiar with him always admire um, the meticulous manner in which he, he ensures that his communication is crisp and, um, and to the point. And, and he has his ideas, which are usually a little bit um, not further out, because further out suggests maybe a certain level of intrinsicity, but, but not the regular run-of-the-mill ideas. He's creative. And so it gives me great pleasure to welcome Steinberg back on to this week in interview. Um, Steinberg, it's been too long, uh, so welcome back. It's a delight to have you here. Yeah, it has been. It has been too long, for real. Um, it's just that, of course, I'm just coming out of traces of a flu. Um, so um, I guess that, that has its implications in terms of voice quality and tone. But I think you can understand me, can't you, sir? Of course, of course. <laughs> and with that distinctive radio voice, I think most people, Dominican, my age, a little younger, a little older, um, cannot mistake the voice. Uh, yeah, it, well... <laughs> Uh, that that, that yeah. quality is still there. Yeah, I, I have heard. Yeah, I mean, I just it's just a general. You know, you have to do the normal thing. You know, uh, uh, you know, do your lime and your honey. If you're from Dominica, these days they add a bit of garlic with brandy. Uh, then these days people tell you zinc, uh, and then of course I was able to get some elderberry and some echinacea herbs. Mm. So I could use that to help. And if you were in Dominica, the old lady would tell me, get some guinea grass. <laughs> and the, so and, and the really, older men would tell you, take a shot of white rum with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you have to throw something like that inside. That makes more <laughs> to kind of draw things back. But the nasal passage still remains because mucus is a, you know, an all-pervasive dangerous thing inside the human body. So it feels that way. That's but right. other than that, I'm generally well. I When I heard just a, a, a sort of forethought, when I heard you mentioned uh, Dominique and the Caribbean as far as media is concerned, I thought of um, Canada. I worked with the Canadian Broadcasting That's right. Corporation so as an assistant producer so while I was a student at mm -hmm. the University yes, of Windsor. Okay. And I remember at that time the Ganasakati um, people were having some sort of battle with the federal government over territory and land. And... Um, had the opportunity to interview them extensively, just as normal as I would work anywhere else. I'm um, gathering data, extensive interviews. I remembered at the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, I was able to produce live a show with students who were studying English as a second language. So they came from Vietnam, they came from Malaysia, they came from Thailand. Uh, from Poland, from mainland China, and they were being taught English as a second language by a Chinese um, <laughs> student at the time. Okay. And I was, I knew her, and we were able to get into the studio um, to produce, have them live, <laughs> set up a lot of microphones all over the place, because, you know, uh, it's, it's large. When you do those things, we have to do it large, you know, and... Um, it was really nice to receive broadcasting to Windsor, Ontario on a Sunday morning listening to um, students of English as a second language talking about seeing Merry Christmas in different languages from Polish to Vietnamese. To, oh, that, you know, that's fascinating, yeah. 
Yeah, it was, it was really, it was really something beautiful. Uh, that was one of the things that I remembered. And the second thing I remembered when you said um, media was uh, um, the days when Ricky Singh was president of the Caribbean Media Workers Association. In those days, Ricky Singh, a Guyanese, mm-hmm. was a very formidable critique on Marxist. I remember he was very much in the Marxist line. Um, we're talking about 70s when he blossomed. By the 90s, they were talking about, we were still talking cultural imperialism. Cultural imperialism was a big thing. Nobody talks about that, you see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but those were the days when media had to be, when we were beginning to look at the Caribbean single market and economy, then Ricky would have brought media practitioners from the Caribbean together to sit with him. And Dominica had sent me at that time, so we could begin to look at the legislation for the movement of media peoples um, throughout the Caribbean. You know, so many, so many aspirations, so many aspirations that seem to, I don't know, what, what, what would we say, wash it away? Um, modernization, um, survival. <laughs> we seem, yeah, we seem well, not to be yeah. heading in that same direction currently. Certainly, excellent observation. It's not, it's not front and center anymore. I, I think people are moving freely now more through the care of media practitioners or musicians are doing so, at least doctors are doing so. I think um, qualified persons are moving through the Caribbean too and picking up jobs at different places. And I think media people can also um, do the same. So they, they, they are, their opportunities open. I remember, I mean, I remember Johnson John Rose who moved across to Barbados very early, of course, and made his home there. Um, so there are people, Peter Richards was, was from St. Lucia, he moved across to Trinidad, he was at Dominica. Um, media people could Yeah, when, when, I'll give you a little story. When um, we, had, we had an IT company in Dominica, and we, we, we were in the early stages of the internet, and we were trying to put together uh, a newsletter, an online newsletter, almost like how we have DNO right now. And yeah. one of the things that we used to do was subscribe to Kana, Caribbean News Agency. And we would get stories from them um, on the la- uh, la- because we subscribed, we had the authorization to, um, to use the stories to either publish them as is or, or to edit, not edit, but make them into the form that was friendly to our online news magazine at the time. Called um, Carib News, um, so yeah, the, there was that opportunity for for more of an integration type approach to to media in the Caribbean. But I, I, I take your point that um, individuals seem to move more freely nowadays um, yeah. and take the opportunities. But but at the at the how you would say it at the structural level at the organized level. Yeah. You know, we, we thought CARICOM probably would have um, taken more of a lead in, in managing that integration process. Yeah, well, the thing is, the, the key thing is, I think, uh, one, without prolonging this, it's just a matter of the individual media houses, the Caribbean Media Corporation. Um, two things have happened. Um, People need to be looking out for trading for media persons, giving them extensive experience around the world. But I think, too, that sometimes the Caribbean media becomes compromised. The, the major institutions that used to want to impact Caribbean economies, IMF, World Bank, 
organization for Eastern um, for cooperation and development, um, international bank reconstruction, those kinds of things. Those same agencies, I think somehow, you know, we need to be critically. There was once there was something called a non-aligned movement. There was once we were south, so we used to critically examine things that came around us, not because we wanted to throw them out, but we wanted to make sure that they were just and fair to our peoples. Right. And I think, I, and I think that that element of it uh, is lost. We've more been absorbed into the major system rather than the watchdogs. You remember mm-hmm. that word, watchdog? Yeah, we, we, we report rather than investigate and report, you know. Uh, but you got it. You set your microphone in front of the speaker. You take the um, conference, seminar, workshop, um, event. You go, you write a story, you drop 45 seconds into it, or you write a newspaper article with a photograph, or you run a television story. Or social media carries excerpts from it, and people go fighting over it. But I, I think certainly, um, having said all of this, it's only because we care and we wish we had at least... You know, that exceptional group of persons. The thing is, I see this, and if I get up in the morning and I don't hear them, I feel bad. I say, where are they? (laughs) But you just wish that they could really do it exceptionally well. You you know, it's one of those things where um, the training makes a difference, but because everybody can speak, and and, and fortunately or unfortunately, the Internet and the, the drop in price of electronic equipment makes it possible for people like me to just buy equipment and to be on air. Um, that sort of, of, of makes make people think that they can do it without the training. Um, it's a similar thing if accounting, for example, everybody can add numbers, everybody can write down, I spend this and that and that, and, and people think, therefore, I don't need an accountant. But, but if, you, when, if it comes to a time where you have to get an accountant, you see the difference between what you were doing and what a trained accountant would do. So many people uh, yeah. coming from different disciplines, um, from out of whatever their professions are, and they are coming into a media house, sit um, behind or yeah. in front of a microphone, <laughs> and they talk. Yeah. And then they meet people like me who say, um, excuse me, this is, this is the emergency ward of the Steinberg Henry Institute. Um, how can you just come into my casualty and pick up a needle and begin to choke people? Exactly. Uh, or this is my court. Uh, you just pull on a gown and begin to adjudicate a matter? Are you trained in the field? Or this, or this is my so, airplane. You just sit in the seat and decide you're going to take off and fly. This is even more dramatic. Yeah. You know. so, 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 and, so that's what's happening in this, the media scene. And that's why people like, people like yourself who have burning midnight oil, so to speak, and have gotten the training uh, are really valuable um, in, in the space where there's so much, if you want to call it noise, um, you know, to help, to help the listeners to be able to pass, um, you know, what is important and what is not, you know? Boy, thank you very much for saying that. Sometimes I even wonder if I still have the capacity. And, you know, every now and then, I rap, I put on my music, and I, I, I entertain myself in the afternoon with Steinberg Henry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you must record that, and let's make a vlog, man. You, you're depriving us, Steinberg. You're depriving us. <laughs> okay, you never know. Do, do some, yeah. But certainly, it is a pleasure to, 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 to touch base with you, as, as usual. Very light, very hearty conversation. Um, 
No, this is part of the reason why I have this time, but for real, um, this conversation is not necessarily on the side or, you know, that is what the conversation is about. Um, you as a, as a trained um, media personnel, as a trained commun communicationist, if that's a word, um, to get your sense and to put things into perspective. And of course, we will talk about your writing because um, I have you on as my author for the month. Of, of July, um, but no, this this conversation that we're having is is very important to to let people actually, people be able to understand the difference. Yeah, actually, when I when I returned from university in Canada in 1992 with a master of arts and a bachelor of arts with honors in communication and social justice and media policy, respectively, um, and they wanted to cite me in a new story. They said, Stein, how should we refer to you, former broadcaster? I say, no, I'm, I'm a communicologist. Communicologist. They say, what is a communicologist? I say, well, I studied the psychological impact of, of communication. The ecology of communication, eh? It's the psychological impact of communication, uh -huh. the extent to which. So they say, why is this not zero? Well, I say, well, there was a time in the days when we had the early radio stations and most of them were national broadcasters and they were owned by government where governments throughout the Caribbean and the world where people never had a chance to feed back the, 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 the assumption was that the media was a stimulus and it would send a message to you and so all you had to do as a listener was respond and they call that the SR model I mean that's, that's very trouble in science anyone who has studied scientific methodology um, the stimulus response methodology um, that, that, that pervaded media operations for a long while. In fact, um, Anthony, it was so real that when America decided to impact the rest of the world with its agriculture, um, they used to speak about a hypodermic needle. Uh, it was a needle that gave the agriculture an injection. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a one-way thing. You were supposed to stimulate and it should respond. They had another thing called a magic bullet theory. A lot of people study uh, practicing media, but it's, it's, I don't, we don't usually talk about those things, Anthony, because nobody asks those questions. And, uh, you know, people say, uh, magic bullet theory, the idea that when you, they hit you, you were supposed to, to just be magically moved to act. Right. It's the, the stimulus and response model. And then later on, around the 1950s, 60s, so some... 70 somebody began to come up saying but there were always critics like that saying critics saying you know what it cannot be just stimulus and response i mean that goes back to john locke and 17th century britain uh, and all of this british empiricism and all those guys hey, hey is that is that is that all no when i told anthony something and that was the stimulus Anthony, I wanted him to respond, but before he responded, don't you think that he would think? All right, process it, yeah? That the idea was that the listener had no processing capacity. They called it, the, you know, you remember the blank slate thing? All of us wrote on slate. <laughs> <laughs> you were not supposed to know anything. You came into the world with an empty head, you didn't, intelligence was to be found through what was instilled, that was, that, was, that was how cramming emerged, you had to put it in their head and they had to tell it to you back, testing was, but no, 
was the person thinking? Did the person have what you call a cognitive ability capacity? Yes, of course. But so when I thought, mm, yes. No, no, I, I, I am listening to you now, and I'm thinking that with, <laughs> with the Internet and with Facebook and with, with the way that information is, uh, and with the way they can use computers to, to analyze our behaviors, that that stimulus and response um, theory is like it's on steroids now. Um, oh, take, yes. take, for example, what they were, how they were able to manipulate um, the different audiences um, in, in, in the last election in the United States. How yeah. they how they able to do it with um, how how they able to do it uh, with advertising, targeted advertising. Uh, so, so that, that theory is even more dangerous now because they, they can put different is, things in front of different people. It is more dangerous now because it is, it is bolstered or supported by other bodies of knowledge that involve a lot of image and perception manipulation. Yes. So a lot of psychology has come into... Uh, the the frames of film or the frame of image or the nature of text is written in such a way that they have come to know that there is a pleasure principle in the brain. <laughs> mm -hmm. there's, there's a pleasure principle. So the images are run along those same lines. Where, uh, just observe the children when they pick up the, 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 the little iPads they play with. They almost cannot leave it. In the same way, they do the same thing to adults. They run the information in frames, and they are mastered. This thing has been mastered. It has been mastered, yes. This thing has been mastered. When we used to do adverts in the in the eighties, they used to tell you that in addition to the scriptwriter and the manager and the cost person, they also had marketing and sales. They also had a psychologist okay. on the group of persons sit down there to determine what. Are we likely? A fascinating instance I always remember was when uh, you walk into this, a woman walks into a supermarket and she sees a bottle of Jurgens in the days when they used to advertise Jurgens. And the Jurgens bottle was shaped like a womb. Mm. When you saw it, it, it appealed to something in, in, the, in the inner sensibility, intrapsychic. So those sorts of things are, those are real now. It's just that the information is moving quicker. Um, people are now participants. So people can now answer to each other. People can now answer back to a source. Sometimes people don't even know the source. Um, and it is left to us as people in a democratic process because the Internet is so large um, to begin to culture um, the responses and to form groups. So the old communication, old communication idea of, 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 of impacting a group of leaders who will then impact another set of persons, we may have to go back to that. We may have to go back to community. The only thing I'm concerned about is what Nelson Mandela had identified years ago before he died, that we should not wash our dirty linen in public. We are at a point in our historical development as a people where we have to know when something goes to the media and it, when it goes to, goes to an office, when it goes to a house, when it goes to a face-to-face -face meeting, when it goes to a letter, when it goes to, you know? Well, well it, it, goes, it goes with what I call decorum and protocol, you know? Um, mm -hmm. we, we've lost a lot of that, uh, especially in the Caribbean where... I guess because we came from slavery and, and colonization, 
our tendency is to shirk off and shrug off um, authority and rules and, and so on. And, 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 and so anything that seems like a rule, our tendency is to resist it and break it apart. And in yeah. doing that, I think we lost a lot of um, the guardrails um, yeah. that, that, that would sort of put limits. Not, not, limits is a bad word, but we put guidelines on, on what is acceptable. And even if we push boundaries a little bit, at least we know we're pushing a boundary. We're not just wondering off, not be, even being aware that we're crossing a, a, a norm or a boundary. Yeah, there's a huge discourse as to whether, in fact, um, those things, what I've observed, things come back in waves. And um, what seemed to, what must have gone away 40 years ago returns, you know, with some more um, accoutrements, more things added Mm -hmm. to it. Um, We, uh, um, when we study carefully, you know, the development of children, we will observe that it is impossible at this time to dismiss the impact of slavery. You know, Sir Hilary Beckles went to Oxford, you know, he's chairman of the um, CARICOM Reparations Commission, and he he told them that Barbados has the highest percentage of amputees per capita in the Western world. And that was all as a result of a particular dietary pattern that their ancestors were given during the days of slavery. Absolutely. It's a fascinating argument. It, it, it's amazing that you're referencing Sir Hilary Beckles tonight because I actually played um, an address last week, Wednesday. Sir Hilary Beckles was my guest on, on this week in interview, so to speak. You because you because I, I took a, a recording that he did. He was the keynote speaker on in the June team celebration in D.C. on the 19th of June. Yes. And so we carried that live, and so I replayed the recording of his speech. Oh, that's fascinating. And he made that same observation. Um, and he was talking about um, the visit from the leader of Ghana, who was pledging resources um, to the University of the West Indies and um, a university in Ghana to study. Um, that, that, inc- that communicable disease and what the impact was because he was saying that the majority of people are from Barbados seem to be of Ghanaian descent and yeah. they have almost no diabetes in, in, in Ghana but in, in Barbados um, you know a very large proportion of the population had diabetes so, so we, we, I played that last week Wednesday on this weekend interview Wow Wow <laughs> yeah those are those are important markers. We really had some guys in the 80s who came up all through 80s and 90s telling us because the Caribbean was then a bed of right-wing politics. Um, it was the good and evil empires we were dealing with. You were not supposed to be critical of the free market. And there were guys who came about who were saying, throughout the Caribbean, what are we talking about? The slavery thing, this thing doesn't have anything to do with us anymore. And, um, Yes, it's true. We should, my take on it, and I think Calypso Drift runs this, is that we should, um, we should know if we had truly um, plumbed, if I were to use that word, uh, this sort of geological, archaeological kind of metaphor, if we were to have, if we had plumbed ourselves sufficiently or reflected sufficiently, or at least maintained the line that our forefathers had left for us in some of those older politicians like Eric Williams and others, probably 
we would be teaching the world what it means to be liberated. So we came into the 21st century. What do we bring into it as a Caribbean people? We should be teaching, given that we had a history of enslavement, and we came out into associated states, into independent states, into states that are now self-determining. What are we teaching the world? Um, is it only how to dance? <laughs> um, it, it, it's so interesting that you say that, Stanbury, because that is, that is exactly my gripe of the Caribbean, that we, we live in a region of resources. We, we are in a region where uh, people don't really bother us, so to speak. So our leaders had the freedom and the space to really have created an example of how our people can rule themselves successfully. And I think we blew that. We, we, so far, we've been blowing that, that chance and that opportunity. I don't know the details of it, but I think the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank um, provide a template for the European Union. I think the, the, the Caribbean community, the character, provided a template for European uh, unity. I, I think we, 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 we are an outstanding people. What has happened is, did, did we gather up truly? And are we on the verge of, maybe I should think of it in that way, because I tend to be more on the hopeful side when you talk about um, collective histories. Are we as a people, are we now on the verge of gathering up ourselves to begin to tell the world, hey, we have danced. You remember once it was still Van and Limbo and Sand? We, we, we did all this. We have danced. We, we, we produced some very formidable thought. Uh, and our dramatization, our poetry, our languages, we have produced fascinating writers, uh, and, and we created the only instrument in the 20th century, the pan. We, have, we had a, used to have a fascinating cricket team. It's going to gather up. David Rudder's dream of rally has not been lost. What's happening? Are we awakening again? And I would like to believe what Ralph Gonzalez talk about the Caribbean civilization. Uh, think about those beautiful things. And I think... I would like to see Caribbean regarded now as a space that provides um, an avenue for um, liberation, particularly um, some of this kind of theoretical space that, that those universities and colleges are sort of looking for um, from, from the Caribbean, because we are, you know, we sort of are melting pot. It's where um, Siboni, Algonquin, you know, Kalinago, you know, Spanish, I, 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 I stand, you know, what kind of people meet there? And Stan, I agree with you, you know. I agree with you that um, the Eastern Caribbean Central Bank is unique in the world in, in, in the sense that they've been able to keep a currency strong that is shared by seven sovereign nations with yeah. independent governments, and so that is no small feat. We see, yeah. we see the European Union struggling to do that, um, yeah. and, and all the other regions where they have, it's really struggling, so that's a feat. Um, but I will, I will challenge it and say that what, it seems like we are witnessing the deterioration in the quality of life of the Caribbean people when we should be seeing, uh, and I say that, I preface that on the sense of the 
we get the sense of the increase in crime per capita, increase in crime, the, the increase in migration out of the region um, to areas with much harsher climates, much harsher, um, very unfriendly people, and so on. Um, so, so, yes, we, we have a few examples, but we've not, um, we could do a lot more. We could do, and ho as you said, a hopeful thought is that maybe we're waking up, maybe we, our, next, our, our children um, will have the ability to take us back on, on the right course. But Stenberg, let's, let's, let's get to, to Calypso and your writing in general. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I did this discussion that we're having is, is informative because the listeners are getting to know who you are, um, your, your thought processes, your thought patterns, and they, they, they understand when I say that, that you know, the thoughts that you express, both in conversation as we have in now, but also in your writing, are not the everyday repetitious, um, you know, just uh, whatever, whatever is the flavor of the moment. Um, you know, it, it's full of, of thought, um, but it's not, it's not delivered in a sense that is difficult for, for every, for you and I to have a, a normal conversation. Uh, and, 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 that, and that's a unique, that's a unique skill, a unique talent. But um, I want to take us to, to Calypso Drift. And listeners, if you have not, if you don't have a copy of Calypso Drift, you should get a copy of Calypso Drift. In Calypso Drift, Steinberg um, analyzes Calypso um, in a very friendly way. He, he speaks about the songs themselves. He puts it in context with what was happening in society at the time. He, he sort of brings the personality and the, and the, thought, and the different um, song singers as well as the songwriters. So, so you get a perspective as to who wrote that song and, and what that person is like. Um, you, he also gives you an idea of, of the response of the public to the song and, and he shows the, the evolution of the song, and he has it organized in such a way that you, you can identify the, the year and, and, and all of that. So, Stenberg, first of all, I want to say you did an awesome job with Calypso Drift. We've spoken about Calypso Drift before, but every time I pick it up, I, I, I go back to, I don't know how any one person can have that much information about, about Calypso over, over such a period of time. So I want you to talk, a little, uh, talk some, um, a bit about the whole thought process, the objective um, behind um, you putting together that work um, called Calypso Drift. Um, you will realize that it is even difficult for me to remember select chapters because I have I look at Calypso Drift every now and then, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just as a matter of. You know, I heard this song. I don't quite remember something. I go back. I say, well, let me see. Um, let me see where this is. I do a control find or something like that. You know, on my electronic document, and I find this particular. So, so let me stick a pin right in there, listeners. You see, you see what Steinberg says. This is exactly what Calypso Drift is. It, apart from reading the work <laughs> back and forth, it is actually sort of like a reference material for Calypso, yes, Dominican, for Calypso, not just Dominican. You reference some other songs as well. But when you hear a song and you have Calypso Drift, you, you can go there and find what was, the, what was going on at that time. 
if you yeah. read the book, maybe you can, you have stickies, but also if you get electronic copy, as he said, you can do control find. So yeah. go ahead, my brother. If you do control find, and uh, there is an, for those who have the book, there's an index that is 15 pages of index. That's quite, here is, there are other things that emerge. Um, the first part of the book is a bit about just me and my journeys through time. And then uh, because I work through interconnectivity in the sense that I attach all things to all things and all things are interconnected, the book descends or ascends, if you wish, into the business of Dominican Calypso. But I came by way of the Calypso, you know, the, the Kadas, then I came through the Boyo. Um, there's also reference to a lot of Trinidad material and um, the great singers of, of, of that time and, you know, the Kitcheners, the shadows, the sparrows, the melodies and what they, they produced because they were contributors to, to Caribbean music forms. There's, there's a bit about Dominican women. There's a nice chapter on that. Um, there's a, a, a lot about... Um, the the, the the dread act and the um, the prohibited and unlawful societies act of 1974 there's a lot about intellectuals and activists who the act um, mentioned as persons who were um, colluding with the dreads to overthrow the John administration at the time or to create trouble in the society. They call them intellectuals and activists, but references made to intellectuals and activists all over the world, the Stoke Michaels, the Dr. Kings, the Aldo Sings, the Angela Davis, all those names, you'll see those things mentioned. There's reference quite a bit to China and the Three Gorges Dam. I always go back to read that, you know, Anthony, because I find that Three Gorges Dam, you see that Three mm -hmm. Gorges Dam there, that is an awesome engineering feat. Yes, or something. Yes. And I, I, I referenced it because at the time I was thinking that um, if Dominica was going to have relations with China, I mean, Three Gorges now alone was probably larger than the island. <laughs> 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 so we, we, we had to be careful about when we trod with such a, a great a great giant of sorts. Um, there's reference a lot to, to there's a reference to Ethiopia and I remember the classic case where Rome took the obelisk. Ethiopia had this tall marble structure. I don't quite remember the dimensions. And Rome took it uh, after they had tried to invade Ethiopia because Ethiopia was the only African country that was not invaded. Mussolini tried. That's why Rasta will talk about Mussolini and Selassie and also mm -hmm. Selassie. I push him back and so on. And Rome had to pay hundreds and hundreds of thousands to move that obelisk back to Ethiopia when Ethiopia became that nation that requested that its artifacts which were stolen Yes, there is a whole body of literature, a whole body of reflection on Dominicans everywhere in the world. And there, I mean, I, I see where Dominicans are. Dominicans are found in Auschwitz, where Hitler, you could find Dominicans. If you go to Norway, you'll find them. If you're good, <laughs> Singapore, you'll find Dominicans are scattered all over the world. Uh, I had a specific instance in Cliff Street that I remember now of one Dominican soldier who was dropped from a helicopter over Somalia, parts of Somalia's forest. And when the pilot dropped him, he dropped him over a forest and he fell on the bark of a tree and he injured his back. 
there's so much um, in Calypso Drift. It's Calypso, but it's interspersed with a lot of other stories. And the thought process, as you mentioned at the time, um, was to show to the world um, this is a very significant little place, you know. We think about things and we are part of a world community too. We can reflect upon things. And more significantly, and it's a question that still remains in my mind uh, as a Dominican, uh, we have such a beautiful country. The nature of the country, its ecosystem, its ecologic. When I was a young man as an adolescent, in my late teens into my early 20s, my father used to tell me about the panoply, the wide, rich collection of stars that spring over the Dominica sky. I say Dominica sky because there's a particular time of the year when a certain body of stars pass right over Dominica, including, you know, I could used to show my children Orion the Hunter, Place, where the place is located, I try to present that to at the center of the Caribbean. Why is it, it is the way it is? Why it is, it seems to be the country that one gentleman said, when you left Guadeloupe and you wanted to go to Dominica, you found yourself going to Martinique <laughs> because <laughs> to get to Dominica, you had to kind of go in a little. And there was always something a little difficult about getting to it. It is tall, it is rugged, it is difficult to climb, difficult to cut. You have to be like Anthony, the type of engineer who is daring to determine that you're going to run still inside basalt rock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, so this is, for me, you asked about the thought process. Um, my uh, love for Dominica uh, is, is, is not dampened by, by its politics because my father was a village historian, anthropologist. He, he stayed in Wesley and he always taught me a lot of other things about Dominica. I learned a lot about its rivers, its, its waterways, its plant life, the transformation in its plant life, the things that, that are grown there. The, the, the sustainability of the land, the capacity of the land to feed, feed the Caribbean. I learned about those kinds of things first before I learned who was in office and who was not. You see, so this is why, these are the thought things. So when I came to write about Dominica for me, it was a treasure. Um, it was a beautiful place. It was. I was disappointed when I returned from university because I had a hard time because that was still going on. I mean, that's a whole discussion by itself. One day you must get somebody to talk about the early days. And up to, well, now it doesn't happen. I don't know if it does. But the early days when students came back from university, I mean, and, uh, you know, my wife tells me about her uncles who came back from university and they couldn't find jobs and they, they were so depressed. They had to but, run. But, but you're talking to one. I came back, I came back, from, uh, university. I came back from university and, and got a lot of resistance um, to find employment. Um, it's, it's a little less now, uh, but but my first job was that I was lucky to to run into a Canadian man who was managing a project for the government, and he hired me because everybody looked at me like I had two heads: you're an engineer, 
and, and they used to have total contempt for an American education. <laughs> and, you, and you didn't go to UEL or, or England, you got, you got educated in the US, ah, they turn up their nose and not want to, or not want to hire you. But, but I think this, this has changed now, um, or people are more aware of the education that's out there. Um, but, but I'm listening to you and I'm, and I'm thinking that this, the way your, your dad would teach you about the different aspects of Dominica, and most of us, even if it wasn't our fathers, we had some older person who had that, that, that information to pass it on. And if we have to relate that to Calypso, um, one of the things that you said about Calypso um, in, 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 the, in the preface um, of, of, the, of the book Calypso Drift, you said, our song lyrics in the Caribbean constitute abundant springs of philosophy and guidance for our people and generations to come. How will people gain access to wisdom between their lines? A tremendous learning resource is a matter that needs to engage us urgently. And, and, and so we, we come right back to the topic at hand, which is um, we know art. Art is a reflection of what's going on in our society, but art is also a store of wisdom and knowledge that gets passed on from generation to generation. And, and I'm specifically in this time talking about Calypso as an art form. And, 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 and so that is, that is a contribution that Calypso Drift is making uh, to, to that space until our, our, our media gets back on its feet and starts to do that aspect yeah, of its work. Yeah. Interesting is somebody has to, in addition to the economics of the art form, Trinidad has made quite a bit out of it in terms of economy. Uh, usually, the whole recently the whole family thing took off for Dada and so so that has done extremely well. But before, oh, oh, whilst we do an economy and, and that that is Antigua has done, and, and we we have not been very very successful in that respect. Uh, but in the meantime, while we probably learn to write a better song or get a better rhythm, and I think we're coming to it. What has happened? Um, what are these lines saying? And uh, who is going to, when all history has been consumed and there's a battle over who has the right history, at least we will still have a song. You know, and uh, most people still remember a song. Right. You know, they say I'm this, they say I'm that, they say I'm shoe. Mm -hmm. They say I am hat. What is shoe and hat? You know, and those are important symbols in, in the political history of it. So songs capture those things. Coney Island, that is how we come. Coney Island. You know, what was happening at that time? Um, you know, when I remember clearly I hear Levi Lovelock in my head singing about Hulk. Hogan and the body slam, yeah, yeah. The body slam. Those were important periods in the cultural um, intervention. The, you know, the, a sort of invasion of our gentler cultural practices by other nation states. Um, and we, we, when those those guys were capturing those markers for us, that is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in how these guys were able to hold our history for us. A history that was not like what I would write at a university. 
And, and it's, an organic, it's an organic history in the sense that it comes from the people, yeah? I want, I, want to read, I want to read a section out of Calypso Driftstein, if you don't mind. Um, one, of, one of the Calypsonians that I admire, really, it was, his, name was, his Calypso name was Spider. And, and, and you, you wrote something about Spider um, around when he passed away. Uh, and I want to read that. I have a song of his that I want to play, but we, I don't know if we'll have time to. Maybe we'll do it at the end. But you, in Calypso Drift, chapter 42, you write, News comes from Dominica that Calypsonian Ronald Spider James has died. Not Spider-Man, Spider. He was a man and one of the island's most talented. An era had come to an end with the passing of Spider, a solemn moment even over distance. The sacred and secular mix in Calypso reached its zenith in his work and subsided into the technological, religio-political, and social changes of the millennium. Changes that he foresaw, that he commented on so magnificently. He was one of the few Calypsonians, save for Piki and later Hunter, for whom the 1975 premier and Prime Minister Patrick John wrote. His 1977 presentation, Dear John, was a letter to the premier written by the premier in 1976. Its lyrical content reveals the incomparable creativity of a man described then by opposition forces as a dictator. Dear John, dear John, I see corruption. I see corruption. I see starvation and more confusion in the land. He wrote this while he was premier. Amazing, isn't it? Dreads, too, were kidnapping and killing. Among Spider's wonderful renditions were Give Me the Rum Fast, Shiloh, his 1978 road match winner, Seychelles Ferdinand, Coming soon, all that I have, and this one I will always remember as genuine critique of the soap opera, of the soap opera world in The Young and the Restless, which is still being broadcast in Dominica. Eileen Davidson, who was Ashley Abbott, the most beautiful on the set at the time, was throwing baby, the Dominican way of saying aborting. If she could do it in those days between 1982 and 1988, any young girl or woman who related to her on television vicariously could do the same. Here, as a Dominican Calypsonian from an island state critiquing a slice of American entertainment in song, so graphically as to alert the nation's viewers from the content of a soap opera, which drew half of its population of 80,000 then, to cable television when they could be out in their yards in a pack burning some sweat. I'll stop there. No, I, I also wanted to talk about his, about, about his religion. Um, during a Dominican Broadcasting Corporation talk show on his legacy, his son called from the state to participate. He said that he was split between his father's love for Calypso and his father's spirituality. They were trying to develop a method for the funeral. From where I listened in New York, I understood the dilemma in a Dominican context, sacred and secular, that Barbadian Edward Camus Braffrit knew to be one in African religion, religious culture, was still separated 
in the Dominican religious experience. Though Spider sang for justice, he did it in a secular space and not in a church building, so his renditions could not be regarded as sacred expressions. So, um, listeners, I, I read that part just to give you an idea as to, as to what is contained within Calypso Drift, um, how um, intimate the information is about the, not only the Calypsos, but the Calypsonians. Um, Sam, I, I don't know if you want to pick up on any part of, of, of any one of those themes because that, that excerpt talked about international commentary. It spoke about the, the, um, the, you know, the dilemma between church and secular and, and, and all of that. You know, yeah, that it, is very important. Yeah. Um, I think, and, and thanks for, for reading that, I think um, references made to the Barbadian writer Edward Kamal, Kamal Rafferty. Rafferty. Uh-huh. He had written masks, you know, you know, the, the arrivals and other beautiful books of poetry. And um, he had written prose too, and uh, what you call sort of ethnography, um, historical. He looked at the Carib- the Afri- what he called the African religious culture. Now he used to write African, put religious in parentheses, and culture. And he said that is what depicts our Caribbean spiritual practice. So you found that you were both, we never separated sacred and secular. Mm-hmm. As a people, we just were able to balance nicely our, you know, secular space with our sacred space. And we, we, were, we had been um, cultured to use, we could pray to the Most High God, be spiritual, and reach our Father, and at the same time, shake a leg and take a dance, and we didn't think that they were opposite at all. Um, I think I mentioned this because Calypso was considered a secular space, although it spoke a lot about justice and human rights, um, and the church or the sect, he was a member of the group of Yahweh, uh, he spoke not a group of Yahweh, but part of a sect, and he spoke of Yahweh, and those two seemed incompatible. But of course, they went to a church, they had a service where it was beautiful, it was what I call the first um, religious Calypso event where different people sang and, 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 and prayed and, and they, you know, his, his, his brother Herman James played saxophone in the church. It was a very refreshing event and it showed how open we were as, as you know, as a, as a Dominican people capable. Okay, we brought Calypso into a church and after that, you have to remember too that, that um, you know, Spider sang about justice, and justice is a spiritual engagement. So those things I thought of at the time. And um, yes, when I said Spider Roland James, he died. Spider was a man. You know, it was more. You know, um, you know, guys. You know, we had Spider Man films mm-hmm. and so. But Spider was a real, a real powerful guy. He did some brilliant, reflective powerful songs. He um, was able to critique behaviors that he found were not very good for the nation state. Um, he didn't like Ashley Abbott in Young and the Restless being presented to us as throwing baby. <laughs> he, he 
didn't think it was a very good thing for a young person to be watching because that person might say, because remember, it takes us back to the media study. There's a thing called vicarious um, theory um, in watching television and other things where the person who is watching begins to get the feeling that they can also participate in the event that they are looking at. So those types of things. Spider was particularly brilliant in that respect. There, John, I see corruption, you know, I see starvation and confusion in the land. As you read it, I was thinking, who told me that it was Patrick who wrote it? Was it Patrick himself or Spider? But that was, here you had a very strange <laughs> intermingling. Dan- <laughs> dynamic, right? Wow. Yeah, it is, it is an amazing thing. Um, I, I was like, how could he? But he was able to write. He's a, he's a prime minister, and he's writing a calypso. He's writing a, a premier. I mean, he's writing a calypso that, if on the face of it, is singing against the government, <laughs> saying that he's his own self, seeing that he sees he sees corruption and he sees starvation <laughs> and he's. <laughs> One of those moments, you you know, is I think he also wrote Peaky's Dragon. Mm. Dear dragon, here I come, to thee my soul belong, I want money. Um, so he, but I, I think we need to look closely at John and um, revisit or visit him again, in spite of the situation I hear he's an amputee. I think uh, the government of Dominica has adopted some policy to allow him to have certain benefits as a former prime minister for but life. It was spoken about. I'm not sure if it's already implemented. I hope it is. Yeah, I, yeah, hope it is. Yeah, I, I really hope it did. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to have received a car, you know, that, that would have been changed every five years. But over and beyond that, he had to be a person of genuine courage. <laughs> no, but but, um, but but Stan, if you bring it into this context where calypsos get banned on the radio, um, you know people get really angry because a calypso is, is quote unquote sung against you. Um, can you you know if you juxtapose that against a time yeah. when when the the, the, pre, the premier the, or the prime minister was actually a songwriter? <laughs> and the Prime Minister was a songwriter, and the broadcasting house was under his ministry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was writing songs that was in opposition to the government, to his own government. Yes. Yeah, man. He was, I think, in, in, in um, you know, if you met the, 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 the intellectuals at the universities, they would tell you about the dialectic, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, where he is actually negating, you know, that which he he stands for, or he he may actually negate that which he's already displeased with. How do you know that he was not displeased with what was happening within, given the nature of of um, um uh, the the zodiac say and still say Leo represents the lion spider. Mm-hmm. He can also be a egoistic politician. Patrick John told me that Leo, I'm um, Leo, Leo. What is his name? Not the guy. No, no, I'm trying. Leo Austin, Leo Austin was the gentleman Austin. who mm-hmm. actually drafted, 
drafted the legislation and pushed a lot for it um, towards the, 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 the think of the dreadout, think of the prohibited and unlawful societies, act, the industrial um, relations um, act that, that would have um, imprisoned persons who, who um, in the cupboard, <laughs> you know, so, so he was very much, but that is he, that, that, that is, I think Andre must have dealt with that in his work on so, Patrick John. So you think that that Calypso might have been a reflection of a sense of powerlessness, even if he was <laughs> in the head of state? Yeah, it's a very important hypothesis. Um, it's an assumption we can make, um, whilst at the same time, it raises questions about, you know, remember, it was a very strong um, personality kind of business that was developing at the time, uh, you know, because Revere had his way, you know, this one had their way, you know, those kind of thing. Mm. So, um, but certainly uh, what it indicates to us, I think I uh, debated this along the lines of the relationship between the artist the artist and the society. And sometimes the artist feels that he is free to write what he wants to the extent that he can even write against himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Now, that is an important development and that is a matter of interest. It is as interesting to me, if you don't mind the leap, as thinking of Chubby writing and composing so many songs when he he, he still has not succeeded. Uh, and I'm not saying this negatively. Let me repeat, I'm not saying this negatively. He still does not read and, and write, but he's able to compose thousands of songs. You know, that that is a huge study. Yeah. You see, so, so those are some of the magnificent things. And, you know, we are not research and development people per se. It would be interesting to speak with Patrick again to find out, let me tell you something. Did you really write a song? How did you come to write a song against your own government? Oh, against your own government. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what was that? I, I think to genuinely, to, to give credit to it, you have to hear his position on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to reach out. I, you know, I, before the hurricane, before Maria, I was reach, I was trying to reach out to him, to have him as a guest, and then he got he got ill and was spent some time at the hospital and so on, and then shortly after that we had Hurricane Maria, and everybody got distracted. So, so I needed yeah, to reach I mean, out to him the, again. Minus the politics that that you know he got embroiled in, and he himself um, you know uh, perpetuated to an extent. He is a he's a wonderful person to to speak with actually. Yeah. And it's not it's not it's spider, it's picky, um Hunter. never, mm -hmm. ever, never, ever, never give up on through your life. I mean this is this is in Calypso Drift I said this is one of the steepest songs in the history of mm -hmm. Dominican Calypso. Mm -hmm. Because when the minor drops in that song, I mean it it really it really hits. You know, so so those guys are those are Powerful, powerful people. Calypso Drift is, is a rich collection of stuff, you know. It's a I mean, because yeah. <laughs> it, It's just that people, I think what happened, maybe, but I like the fact that it is written the way it's written, where it's not, it, it, it's a thick forest. It's not easy. You don't just come and just climb and you're rich. <laughs> 
you have to crawl on your knees, you have to pull it. And some people, I think, some, somebody told me when they got clips to the first time, you know, Stan, I have to buy, I think I'll finish that in a week. I say, good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's dense. It is definitely dense with information. Um, and, and I mean, just that little bit, just that little page and a half that I read has so yeah. much packed in there. You so know? much. So much it's packed so in there. I mean, we haven't, we haven't even spoken about the dichotomy um, between the, the church and the state. And, and then we bring in um, the bricks, Father Branca John. He's a yeah. Calypsonian, full-fledged Calypsonian. And then he becomes a priest. And he continues to sing Calypso. Maybe not at yeah. a competitive level, but he continues to sing. And, and, and so he's, he's even brought them together even closer. Um, yeah. but, but you told me that you've written another work that you've called Calypso Drift and Water. <laughs> and, and so talk about what is Calypso Drift and Water and what's the distinction between the two works? Calypso Drift is the intro uh, to some of aspects of life of Steinberg Henry, his reflections on certain select issues in the world that pertain to Dominica and Dominican Calypso and interpretations of it. And it's an introduction of the landscape of, of Calypso, the architecture who's involved, the bands, the people who play. Calypso Drift tells you, hey, this is what we're going to be dealing with. Um, and um, it's thick. It, it's awesome to read. You do not just come and bite a portion and, and bite the whole book. No, you have to take your time and chew 10 words because <laughs> <laughs> that is how it is. And that is how it is. And it remains in that sense perennial um, as far as I'm concerned it's something that if it is kept in form um, 20, 30, 40 years from now somebody picks up this book and says my god this, there's still so much in this that is rich um, and there's so much that is memorable come for drift and water uh, and I said water because my grandson watches Peppa Pig which is the British thing for children of 4, 3, 4, 5 years and he says grandpa it's Papa, it's water. <laughs> so clips are drift on water. And because Dominica has so much water, I think I'll probably, you know, have a little fun with that concept of water. Clips are drift on water is an attempt to dive into our abundance. And what I found as I reviewed the 2013 to 2016 period, which is what Calypso Drift and Water covers, is that the Calypsos were beginning to point in the direction of straight-hat silly politics. And um, I remember Daddy Chess sang sometime, he wondered whether it's Calypso that's running politics or whether it's politics that's running Calypso. <laughs> And he said a beautiful line, you know, if, if, you know, if, if the government had lost the election, that's the Labour Party, part would be writing for the birds and the bees. I always found that very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Clarissa Drift and Water says, no, 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 no. We're not going to allow the Calypso to just become labor, workers, freedom, public service, trade union teachers, nurses, public works. That is May 1979. 
although that may be interesting, well, that doesn't make sense. What we are interested in is, how does the lyric, I'm not telling you how to write. I can never tell somebody how to write because oh, I don't want nobody to tell me how to write, although I can take a suggestion. But I'm saying, you have rock, you have fern, you have water, you have fruit, you have a moonlight, you have a sunrise that hits the land, you have a light that hits in a particular way, you have a breeze that Nasir Fontaine sings about. You have a wide variety of plants. You have a botany. You have a wide variety of rivers, fish, and water life. You have so many things happening in that on that space. Why don't you root your song back creatively? Why don't you slice a mango and say, hey, that is freedom over here, you know, give me a slice of labor. Why don't you... Why don't you take your song and throw it back into the actual fertility and nature of the land? Capture that in your song, but still remain critical. Why don't you become organic? Why don't you, my favorite word is interconnectivity. Why don't you begin to interconnect your lyric back into, could you imagine water coming out of rock? The land is so tall. It's 4,747 feet and it's built on rock on a mountain that David Lang says is 400,000 years old. What are we doing with this ancient sea? You know, like, still, does it not also pertain to Martinique and Guadeloupe? Isn't that part of what I call the eco-logic? Now, usually you would hear Ecology, which is, you know, what's around us, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. But the ecologic for me in Calypso Drift and Water is a logic, a way of thinking that is consistent with ecosystems. So things, seeds burst, you know, you can plant a seed, it dies. Um, it, it throws out its, its, its little shoot, then it begins to climb into a stem, and it begins to give your things a life and a growth and a productivity and a, what I call a fecundity, a fertility in a sense. Give your thinking a richness. Um, go into times and seasons. You know, when you eat things, give them nutrition. So in a sense, instead of just throwing away this vast resource that is around us, why don't we use them to intersperse our lines? Instead of we, we you know. So are you saying? Are you saying that you're seeing a trend where the calypso is a little too plain and straightforward? It should. Not? Yeah, okay. So it is very plain and straightforward. Very plain and straightforward. And I don't. I'm not saying that you have to begin to write independent songs mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or national anthem. You know, some people think, you know, uh, that gentleman from Trinidad who sang songs and made it recently, Dominica, I love you, they felt that. And, uh, you know, remember, uh, Dominica judges historically, they have been anathema, they have a certain resistance. They had, I don't know, they still do, towards songs that begin into song like they are independent. You know what we call independent songs, lovely Dominica, I love all mm-hmm. beauty and mm-hmm. 
patriotic if you wish. Um, when you listen to the voice of the healer, you get the feeling that he, 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 his voice is so smooth, a bit Bob, like Bob, that, that you get the feeling that, that he, they're almost singing songs that are patriot. No. What is wrong with that? The key thing is you have to give the songs. The songs, I am not, somebody says, I know, well, write it. I say, well, I write books. I do write Calypso. Mm-hmm. And, and musicians, musicians on a whole, and can always, will appreciate that there are lots of ideas that can come. I, I get so many ideas listening to musicians. I think musicians can get ideas reading. So, so, so you're, you're critiquing the artistry um, oh, yes, in, song, oh, yes, oh, yes. in songwriting. Um, oh, yes. Because Calypso is supposed to have that double meaning, that satire, um, metaphors, and, and all the other... Um, well, those satire... Metaphor, those things, metaphorical language, you know, you could say, you know, your thought is a meandering stream. Mm-hmm. That's a river metaphor. You know, that, that's all right. A fella could say, you know, you know, um, a man, the man looking like a, you know, I don't know, he's, he's looking like a cat. I don't know what kind of thing that is. People can say those sorts of things. I am just saying that in addition to satire and metaphor, I want I am just asking people to take a river, for instance. If you took a, a you start, let me think about a river. You know, I flow into the city like an angel to unite the songs of passing beauty. I can always invite. You can touch me when you hear me. Bring justice to my land. In a sense, we can use a river. Are you with me to, 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 to move the art form? And you can still mention names. You can still go back to, to the history, but use some of the natural attributes of that lovely country. A few things happen too, because song is also soul and song is also spiritual. When we bind our lyric, to our ecologic and our ecosystems, we help in their sustainability. You see, so this is Calypso Drift and Water. If you want to throw the lines, you will see that the lines always going somewhere else. Other than the Calypso, I like this book. It has not yet been published. I sent you two chapters in it. It, it, it is, it is, the lines are always going somewhere. They always, they seem to go to a natural setting. They seem to go to a river land. They seem to go to a, another space. Because I'm getting the reader who is Calypsonian or artist when the book is read to push the imagination outside of the norm of the accustomed lyric. To add, to give the lyric a new bit of decoration, to give it a new substance, to add an element to it that you to graft the tomato with a bellage, to graft to graft the tomato with an eggplant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, do something with it um, that creates another art form. Push it in a place that move it to another place that you would normally not have put. For instance, bouillon. I, I say that because I think Buyo lyrics, in a sense, is the best. I mean, this is ideal for, you know, I mean, with that kind of rhythm that Buyo have. Mm-hmm. You know, Calypso has slow forms and different forms, but with that kind of rhythm that Buyo have, 
if we were just to slip into that while, but not losing track of Calypso Drift and Water, but with that kind of rhythm that we have. If you were to see, if you, if Ivera as a storyteller, he's a brilliant storyteller, if that rhythm take off, and Ra said, I see you in the corner looking at me, waiting to dance, moonlight in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Come, let me take it out. Let me kiss your rub on me, woman. I want to touch your orange. We do not, we are not juxtaposing unfamiliars. We are selling, okay, recycling. But we need to drop certain images that are not familiar alongside other images, and they are right around us. <laughs> so that is what I'm trying to push, um, trying to extend um, psychologically. Hopefully it will be appreciated and it's not it's not even a criticism as much as an addition. It's one that says, you know, somebody, I hear people saying, why you come and write it yourself? <laughs> <laughs> but you see, we have to, we, you know, I'm not, that's why, that's why I'm very careful, collect drift and water. I'm very careful about um, how it's presented. I'm not commanding that anybody should do. I'm just saying that I happen to be a child of a village historian anthropologist who came from another place and says, hey, this is another contribution that I can make to the expansion of the imaginary of my island state. No, and, and, and what, what you're saying is that you, you, you challenge Calypsonians and the Calypso writers to, to draw inspiration from, from their surroundings and, yes. make, and make the lyrics a little more rich. That's, that's what I'm getting, that's, that's what you're Yes, doing. yes, make it rich. You, I yeah. mean, you, you are fascinating, you are, you are true, and you are able to bring things down to the point, my friend. Yeah. So, you know, that, that and, and I mean, I think that is a... That that's, is a, fair, a very, that's a fair criticism, a fair observation, a fair suggestion, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and there is, there is a suit. And then what, what also happens in terms of audience response participation, if we were to go back to the communication metaphors, is that you, you find your audience is enriched. Your audience is so enriched in the process because they are now beginning to sing something. That, that that doesn't sound. Oh my God, you know this is this is so different. This is this, this is something that says if you took, you know, just imagine a fella take, take a fella take a, a coolie, take a coolie when he make a broth, and he want to share the coolie with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. but the girlfriend bring you know a set of of, of chicken and he, <laughs> he decide he decided to sort of put a little smoked chicken in the port and they went down by the sea but to eat and they had a bath and they're in the water because she's visiting and he wants to show the beauty of his island and the beauty of carnival at the same time if in all of that he only let's say his last line was after he see all how they jump in the barn and all how the food and all how they sweat he see he still remember when the sea was just gently lapping at their feet and when he say gently lapping, gently lapping at my feet, maybe you should maybe you should really take up this suggestion and, and, and delve into Calypso, huh? Well, the thing <laughs> is, 
maybe what has happened, for instance, I found out from Wizard used to tell me science sometimes is just is just it's just a line. You know, sometimes you just need a trace. My professor Roy Oji, all of us read the making of the West Indies by Roy Oji and really good in high school. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I sat I sat in front of him. I sat in his class at the University of West Indies and he used to tell me time all we need is a trace, you know. All we need is a trace. Sometimes I don't necessarily have to write the song, but I can give a trace. Right. I, I, I can suggest, I can drop it and say, you know what? And that is what, honestly, that is what I'm hoping those calypsoters will do. That as people read them, because one of the things I said in the, in the, in the words of, in the prophecy, opening notes to Calypso Drift and Water, I said, when you read this book, I don't expect you to remember what it is. I just want you to read. And when you read and you want to stop, mark the book and go out and meet a friend. And don't talk about Calypso Drift, but just have a conversation. You'll be amazed. Something has deepened in you. You know why? You just left this work that you were engaged in. And so it is, because I have developed certain skills as a communicologist. I've developed certain skills as a person who is, you know, I'm probably, you know, able to do. So those are some of the little things. And, you know, being Dominican, you're proud of your imagination and your intuitive capacity. Stan, Stan, before we come to the end of our conversation, we've been talking for about 90 minutes almost. Um, There's an area that I I hope you're you're, you're okay with speaking. Your your site. Um, I'm I'm always curious for the listeners listeners that don't know, um, you have a little bit of challenge or a lot of challenge with your site. Yes. in the sense that uh, are you well you'll tell us but I'm curious how you are a writer um, <laughs> while also being um, challenged um, with your eyesight yeah well I'm very open about, about mm-hmm. I'm very open about sight and, and, and sight impairment and mm-hmm. sight loss mm-hmm. um, so, but that I can assure you um, when you probably somewhere in in and you have the time in September or something. You, oh, should, you want to come back should, and we can do that. We should, we should have a whole sta- We can have a whole discussion about sight and writing and just the business of how do you write if you have. And people actually come to my house to ask me because there are days when I'm. Oh, I'm very open about talking about sight loss. There are days when I'm foggy. There are days when I'm dark. Um, and some people come and ask, how do you write? And they stay with me and I was waiting for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my daughter came from Houston and she, she said, how do, you, how do you write? And I told her, well, I, my computer is, is there. It's the keyboard like every other keyboard, except that I have a screen reading software mm-hmm. that, that is in it. And um, I told her, um, I can just hit the, the, you know, the Windows key. I, I, I can search and can, you know, write Firefox. I can, if I want to find my documents, I do, uh, I, you know, I, I do Windows E, O, Enter, S, Steinberg, should bring down my folder. She said, where did you learn to do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I, oh, I just hit, you know, start. I write W-R and I get words. Mm. Or hit W word comes and then I hit it again because it's backstage, and I write R E A L I T Y because I learned to type as a secretary. Right, right, right. You, you know that reminds me before before operating systems were Windows based, 
um, they were DOS, and you had to remember no, you had to remember commands. You had to remember oh. like when you had to, you had to remember a whole bunch of commands. And as a matter of fact, on your keyboard had a little um, little guide um, of shortcuts. Um, oh yes, well, yeah. I mean when I did advanced telecommunications, advanced te communication technology as a master's student. I remember doing, well, we, we dwelt only in DOS, and I read artificial intelligence um, as an undergraduate, um, as part of my communications degree, and I also read advanced technologies, where I, I, I used to sit in a lab, long before Surrey, I mean, we were a bunch of students who actually helped in, in the development of those technologies. The internet had not come around in full bloom. Mm -hmm. um, it was still experimental. Everything was large. Um, we used to receive our internet messages on huge menu, just have paper ruling into the place. And, you know, we, uh, I remembered once my professor gave me about 60 lines of commands. Each line has about 12 commands on it, which was comma, A, B, semicolon, plus, bracket, close bracket, one line, the next line. And by the time I got to command 60, when I hit enter, I just see a fractal just break out on my screen. And that fractal starts to expand when I click on the edge of it. It was almost like a coastline, magnificent color formation. So for me, it was always very interesting, but I had to learn all those things. Um, and learn to as efficient because I'm now learning by hearing. Mm -hmm. So that opened up a whole range of possibilities. So when I come to write, <laughs> I sit and I listen to myself and I continue to, and I go on to write whatever it is. But that is a whole discussion by itself. That yes, is something certainly that's something that, that you're going to have to come back for us to yeah, have. No, that's a whole discussion by itself, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I really, as normal, I enjoyed our time together. I think we covered, we covered the whole section of landscape, <laughs> of, of writing, of communication, of Calypso, yeah. of, of life in the Caribbean. And that's why, that's why I always enjoy our conversations on this weekend interview. Um, I, I, I hope, uh, my, I'm pretty sure my audience agrees with me that um, it was an, a 90 minute well spent. And so, Stein, yeah. I appreciate your time so much. I do, if you have any last thoughts um, based on what we, we talk about or what we haven't spoken about. Um, yeah, well, just basically to say that Calypso Drift is still available at steinberghenry.com. Mm -hmm. That is. So good that's good. Mm -hmm. And then Calypso Drift has been published. I have rewritten a book about my mother. I returned now. That is to be republished. I have also, um, there's also a lovely book uh, that is called An Unassuming Love that is still being richly received. I, I sent a, recently I sent a copy to Duncan, so it's a lovely hard copy, nice work um, about just the West Indian, West Indian life and West Indian times, mm -hmm. Africa cricket. And then I did a beautiful piece called Jolita, which is a, a very interesting, sassy conversation between a young man, a young woman and an older man that is to be. I hope I could publish that. So there's, there's, quite, there's also a collection of three stories. There's a lot you've of been work. busy. No one, no one has been a while since you've been on this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've, I've, been quite, I've been quite busy. Um, there, there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot, a lot happening. I, I, I've actually had to learn time management. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Certainly. So, so your works can be found at SteinbergHenry.com. SteinbergHenry.com. Yeah. And then, you know, the usual Amazon stuff, yeah, you go there, you find Amazon. books mm-hmm. and so on. But other than that, it, it's been a pleasure. I want to thank you and Sam for what you've done for me and the support that you've given me throughout throughout um, the years. Thank you very much for your kind services. And um, please extend my best wishes um, to you and to, um, to your family and to everybody else. And it's always a pleasure to hear you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. But let's not take so long to come back because I really want to explore um, that aspect that we spoke about, as well as, you know, maybe when you come back, we can talk about some of your other works besides Kill Yes, Soldier. yes, by the time I get um, back, hopefully yeah. we should have published yeah. um, something else uh, okay. on them, you know. So take care of yourself. So all the best, you all the best to you and the family as well. And, yes, and I thank you so much for your time, man. All, okay. All the best. All right. All right. Well, listen, there you have it. Um, you know, the man Steinberg Henry. Uh, you know, real, um, very distinctive personality, very distinctive voice, um, very distinctive thoughts. Uh, you agree with me that he he fits right into the mold of what this weekend interview is supposed to be. So, so, so thank you to all of you who are regular listeners on this weekend interview. I thank you for coming back every Wednesday. If tonight was the first time you heard us, I hope you really enjoyed what you what you heard enough for you to come back next week, Wednesday, when we will do this all over again. I'm going to close off with a song by Spider, Spider's the Calypsonian that we spoke about. And um, we do Spider and then we do uh, a word from our sponsor. And um, next time you're going to hear me is on Friday, on FYI Friday. I always do, I was calling to Sam's program and we talk about just general happenings. I look forward to that as well. So have a great rest of the week. We'll, we will talk on Friday. FYI Fridays is from 10 to 12 noon. Um, don't forget for the King of Kings Calypso that's coming up, you can get your tickets on islandeventtickets.com, islandeventtickets.com. Um, it's going to be a grand, a grand time. Uh, and um, no hassle, you can do, you can get your tickets from the convenience of your home. You can come to the show with your... You can come to the show with your ticket on your phone and just get it scanned in. Really hassle-free uh, and convenient. So good night, listeners. Thank you to, to you. Thank you to producer and engineer Sam. And we will do this again next week, Wednesday, as we do a repeat, uh, another program of This Week in Interview. Yeah.